you guys to understand about this is you will be tempted in this series to, to feel like you're being picked on. There will be the temptation from your conscience that has not been renewed by the truth of who you are in Christ Jesus to interpret things as insults on who you are or, or that this is your identity. And the truth of the matter is, is that we're not, we're not preaching this message to point out your failures. We're preaching this message to deliver you from the lies of the enemy. We're preaching this message so that you can understand things that are in your life that you have believed, that you, that you participate in, that is actually causing death in your life and not causing the life that Jesus Christ came to give and desires for you to experience. Amen? So don't fall into the devil's trap. You're God's beloved. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right? You are children and heirs of the kingdom. Because when you were born again, or, or when we were born, we were born into a system. We were born into a physical system and we were born into a spiritual system. Right? And the system that we were born into was given to us from our parents, Adam and Eve. Right? And this system is a counterfeit system to, to, the, to the kingdom of God. And it's at war. It's a system that's at war with the, the kingdom of God. The, 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 the world that we live in is not the world that God desired. Just read the first book of the Bible. Read the first couple chapters. This is not the world that God desired. And because it's not the world that He desired, He made a plan from the foundation of the earth. Before anything was, He he had a plan to bring redemption and bring correction back to the world so it can be once again the world that He desired. And God did not break the world. We did. God did not break the world. We did. And the same thing can be said about your life. Your world. Your sphere. God's not the problem. God's not the one that broke your world. We're the ones that broke our world. And God desperately, as a loving Heavenly Father, is looking to redeem your world. Redeem your life. Amen? When you were born of the Holy Spirit, your citizenship was transferred from the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of God. And although we live in this world, right? We, we, we have a residence here in the physical world. Uh, your citizenship is in heaven. And one of the greatest, the greatest uh, illustrations that I've seen or uh, I've heard of this is like an ambassador. If you're an ambassador to another country, if you go to another country, let's say it's a third world country. There's poverty, there's, there's hunger, there's all this stuff. You know, there's drought, famine, all this. And then you go to the U.S. Embassy 
where the ambassador of the United States is, there's no poverty there. There's no lack. There's no drought. You know, the, the lawn is nice and green and watered. Why? Because although that they're in another country, they're citizens of this country. And because they're citizens of this country, they have the benefits in that country. Right? And the same thing is for us. We have the promise of God. We have an inheritance. We have weapons of our warfare, right, that aren't carnal, but mighty through God, through pulling down the strongholds. Right? We, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We're not citizens of this world. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. Right? And the problem is, is that we still live our lives according to the ways of this world rather than the ways of our kingdom. In Colossians chapter 1.13, it says, He, speaking of Jesus, delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son. See, the, the Scripture says exactly what I've been saying. Is that you were born into a dominion of darkness. And when you were born again, you were transferred into a completely different kingdom. The kingdom of Jesus. The problem is, is we've been trained to live in the dominion of darkness. Right? And one of the things that we were trained in the dominion of darkness, and i got to speed up, I can already see that I'm lagging behind. The, uh, is that in, in the kingdom, it's, you do good, or the kingdom, the dominion of darkness, you do good, you get good, you do bad, you get beat. You get rewarded for your actions. In God's kingdom, there's grace. And there's ability in His kingdom. It's totally different to the kingdom of this world. A scripture that's very familiar with all you, to all you guys is Romans 6.23. I mean, there's probably people that... Uh, that aren't even Christians that know this scripture. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, we read this scripture and we always apply it to going to heaven one day. You know, he heaven's the easiest, easiest place to live. We don't have to worry about death and heaven. We don't have to worry about the wages of sin in heaven. It's here on earth that we are at war against the kingdom of darkness, death, sin, and the things that are trying to destroy our lives. Eternal life does not begin when you go to heaven. Eternal life begins when you meet Jesus. You are living an eternal life right now. You can be a Christian and go into heaven, listen, and still be reaping the wages of hell in this life. Not because God desires it, because you're still living according to the, the ways of a dark, sinful system. You're still living according to Adam in, instead of according to Christ. Last week we talked about what? We talked about idolatry. We worship the wrong thing instead of the living God. 
And you know, the biggest thing that we worship more than anything else is ourselves. We want to be the God of our life. We come first, what God says second. <laughs> In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, at the end of the... Of, of, or, in the center of 16, it says, or the end of 16, it says, Pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Pride is not from God, it's from the world, it's from a broken world system. Let me ask you something. What, what, what do you hate? What do you hate? I mean, if you, if, if, if you had to make a list, if you had to make a list of things that just make your blood boil, right? What, what would be on that list? What would you have on that list? If you had to made a, make a list of things that you hate. Do you know, do you know that God makes lists? God makes, makes lists. Our loving Heavenly Father has such a list. He has a list of things that He hates. In Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16, it says, there are six things that the Lord hates. Seven things that are abomination to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deceives wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. So of this list, the list of things that God hates, things that, the list of things that are abomination to God, the top of this list of the things that He hates is haughty eyes. The very first thing is haughty eyes. Here's how the Amplified Version amplifies this verse. It says, A proud look, the attitude that makes one overestimate oneself and discount others. And discount others. Tell the truth. You, you know this person. We all, we, we all, we all, we, we all have someone that uh, pops into our mind when we think of pride. Don't we? Those that think of themselves before they think of anyone else. Those that look down on others with disdain, with disgust, with disregard. Worse yet, we have all been that person. Not only does God hate pride, but God literally declares war on it. He declares war on it. Look at what Jesus' half-brother James had to say. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, But He gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How many of you want more grace in your life? God's ability in your life. Again, the Amplified Version puts it this way. God sets Himself against the proud and haughty. 
God literally sets himself against people that are proud. You know, I taught him a series on this, I think it was last year, called Death to Selfie. If you want to go deeper into the subject of pride, I suggest you go read that, or listen to that again. It's interesting that of all the messages that I've preached, um, that ranks at one of the top that I had people come back to me and like disagree with me. So you can't move from death to life if you're proud. And and don't don't think that being um, being sure of yourself or being confident confidence is pride. You can you can be non not confident in yourself. And still be in pride. You can be shy and still be in pride. Because a person that is shy is so concerned about what other people think that they're not willing to step out, they're not willing to speak, they're not willing to serve, they're not willing to give because of, they're afraid that they'll look bad. Pride comes in all different forms. And you can't move from death to life if you're proud. A proud person does not receive the grace God gives to overcome everything that is coming at them in this world. We need the grace of God to overcome. And if you're a proud person, it says that He opposes you. God literally opposes the proud person. You can't move from death to life if you're proud. If we insist on having things our own way for our fame, our glory or only live for what we believe is in our best interests. God Almighty will work against us and not for us. He will be in direct opposition to you. Our pride puts us in a demonic position of picking a fight with God. So we, don't understand, we, we really don't understand how dangerous pride is. You can be a Christian and live, live at l- your life at odds with God. Just like the Israelites, whom God says was a stiff-necked people. He wanted to bless them. He wanted to, to bring them into the promised land. He wanted to do all these things for them. But because of their pride, because of their arrogance, because of their unwilling to be humble and trust God, they wandered in the wilderness. There are so many that bear the name tag Christian that refuse to submit to God's word and his ways of doing things. Many follow God for what they can get out of the relationship. And when things don't go the way that they think they should or the way that they feel they deserve, they revert to their own old way of doing things, their old way of living. For many, I also just described your relationship with your spouse. Jesus said these people, in Matthew 5, 8, 
He said this about them. He said, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I read this this week, and I thought it, it fell right into my message really good. It says, there is no Christian... There is no Christianity without repentance. If your version of Jesus is one that loves you, but doesn't need you to change, you're worshiping yourself. What do you think about that? There is no Christianity without repentance. And, we under, and we've taught here over and over again what repentance is. Repentance is, is, isn't coming to an altar and crying. Or feeling shame, guilt, and condemnation. That's not repentance. Repentance is saying, I am believing a lie. I'm going to repent. I was going this way in life. I was living my life in death. God revealed truth to me. I repent, I tur- which means to return, to turn around, and now I'm going towards life. This is now truth. This is now how I see the world. This is what I submit myself to. That's what repentance is. You know, truthfully, I'm not qualified to preach the message on humility and against pride. Actually, none of us are. The sad truth is I'm proud, you're proud. They're proud. We're all proud. We're all proud in different ways. It's easy to point out the pride in others while being oblivious to our own. Isn't it? Which in itself is pride. Some think they deserve more money. They think they deserve more respect. I deserve more comfort. Right? They don't praise or appreciate me enough. Too many are like King Saul. Remember King Saul? David and King Saul, right? Who fell into demonic control because the people sung Saul had killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. You know, in leadership, it could be in a workplace, work situation. It could be in ministry. It could be in, in different areas of your life. We can hold others back because we see that they have, they're more talented. They're more able. They're, they have more ability than we do. Instead of rejoicing that you played a role in bringing those people into the fullness of all that God created them to be. And that's what Saul did. David was to take Saul's place. But it didn't have to go down the way it did. He could have mentored. He could have, he could have trained. He could have worked alongside David. And let that transition the way that the kingdom should operate. But instead, because of pride. Because he was so concerned about what other people thought about him. He was so concerned about not being the top dog. He fell into demonic control. And now we look at him as a person not to be like rather than a person to emulate. 
How is your life? Will you be a person that people point to to say, this, that's a person to emulate? That's a person to, to, to live like? Or are, are, are we, will my, my life be a story of don't do what Chad did? Then you have Jesus who washes Judas' feet. Can you imagine that? I mean, you, we, you don't get it. Jesus, this whole foot washing thing was that of a servant. You know, first of all, the disciples thought Jesus shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. You know, Peter says, don't, you know, don't, you, sh- you don't wash my feet. You, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you're no part of me. And he says, well, then wash my whole body. You know, I can understand even with what Peter did, I can see Jesus washing his feet because you know he's going to redeem his qualities. He's going to he's going to come back. But but Judas, I mean, Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. That he was not part of him. That he was faking at being a Christian. He was faking at believing. He was looking at Jesus as a way to make gain. He was a wolf in sheep's clothing. And Jesus washes, washes Judas' feet. Knowing this. If you knew that this person before you in just a short amount of time is going to turn you over to the religious authorities to be beaten and crucified and killed, would you stoop down and wash their feet? Not only that, Jesus knew, Jesus knew that, that Judas has been plan, planning this. This isn't something that just happens overnight. They had, they had a, 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 a judge all lined up. They had, they had the soldiers all lined up. This was all in preparation. Judas has been doing this behind the scenes for how long? And Jesus washes his feet. That should blow your mind. See, too often we arrogantly jump to judge others. Now this whole idea of judging is so screwed up. The world loves to say, well, the Bible says not to judge. No, you judge what is right and wrong according to Scripture. You just don't judge the reason you think someone is doing what is wrong or right. You you don't know their past. You You don't know what they're coming out of. You continue to speak the truth in what? Love. So we, we judge what is wrong according to the Word of God, but we don't judge the hearts of people. Most people are doing what they are doing because that's what all, the only thing that they've been taught. See, we, 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 before we judge others, we need to carefully and humbly judge ourselves. 
The Scripture literally says that at least you fall into the same sin. Before we use the Bible as a magnifying glass to look at other people, we need to actually look, use the Bible as a mirror to look at ourselves. You know, the ten Hebrew words and the, ten, the two Greek words that are generally used for pride refer to being high or exalted in attitude. The opposite of virtue and humility, which God rewards. And again, this high, this exalted attitude is, is about not putting yourself in a position to look bad. And some of us do that by just pulling back and not getting involved. One other Greek word refers to a person being puffed up or inflated with pride or egotism. The idea gives the impression of substance, but is really filled with air to be puffed up. You know, the Scripture says that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. It goes along with that quote that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And too far, too, for too many, specifically, religious people, we like to let everybody know how much we know. And the world thinks that we don't care. If anyone thinks that pride is something they used to struggle with, you're probably some of the most prideful people among us. Pride is very often among, found among religious people. Those that feel superior to, to those that struggle to make moral or spiritual progress. What we fail to realize is that pride is possibly the worst sin of all. In James 4.10 it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will exalt you. Humility is a journey in which we travel. It's not a destination. It's not a destination. It's a lifestyle. It's a continual thing. It's not a place that we arrived. I've arrived at humility. <laughs> it's not if you are humble. It's that the question isn't if you're humble. The question is, are you even trying to be humble? <laughs> James tells us that to humble ourselves. This is a constant action. And when we do, it says that God will recognize you for it. You constantly, we constantly, I constantly have to choose to humble myself. Could the, an <laughs> could the answer that we're all looking for of why we're not progressing in our lives like we would like to be, be as simple as not living in humility. But rather being full of pride. Humility is the pathway from escaping death and experiencing life. Some think that circumstances humble a person. You know, we, we've actually, have, probably you probably said it, and you're like, well that 
you screw up, something bad happens or whatever. Well, that was humbling. And the, and, the, and the truth of the matter is that this is a myth. A myth. Here is what circumstances will do. They will humiliate you, not humble you. Your circumstances humiliate you. Being humble and being humiliated are not the same thing. The only thing that can humble you is you. The only thing that can humble you is you. The only, only one that can cause yourself to submit to authority is you. Submission is a choice. Just like humility is a choice. You can be forced to submit, but that is not true submission. Submission is when you, of your own free will, submit. Humility is an act of our own free will to humble ourselves before God. When most people have circumstances that should bring humility, it actually causes them to respond in pride. Right? They respond in pride. They respond in anger. They respond in trying to control this situation so that they make sure that this situation never happens to them again. A lot of people have done that with public speaking. And we're going to get to that. Those inner vows, I'll never do that again. That's all rooted in pride. See, we, we, we make sure that those circumstances that don't go the way that we would like them to go never happen to us again instead of learning from them and growing from those circumstances. The truth is we do not take the e evil of pride as seriously as we ought to. Not like God does. None of us take our pride as serious as God does. Know this. Nowhere, 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 nowhere in Scripture does it ever speak positively about pride. So you might want to think Again, when you say, I'm so proud of this. Nowhere in Scripture does it teach anything about being that pride is something positive. Have you ever wondered why God hates pride with such passion? It's because it's demonic. Pride came to earth through Satan and his demons. In Ezekiel 28.2, it says, Because your heart is proud, you have said, I am a God. Satan and demons, as well as people they deceive, do not recognize nor submit to authority beyond themselves. Even though God hates pride, the one person that could have been proud, but chose to live in humility, was God Himself, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Why? Because God's not proud. Proud is not an attribute of God. It's an attribute of the kingdom of darkness. 
Our, but our language is filled with pride. Proud of our accomplishments. Proud of our self-discipline. Proud of our education. I'm so proud of my kids. You know why you're proud of your kids? Because they made you look good. What did, what did God say about his kid? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. God wasn't even proud of Jesus. He was pleased with him. Isn't it interesting that we even have a whole month where we celebrate pride? And only one day to reflect on all we have to be thankful for. We have nothing to be proud of. We are filled with pride when we should be filled with praise. But this is how proud people live, as if they were gods of their own lives. In the book of Job, Satan declares war on Job because of his humility. Because of the way that he lived before God. That he humbled himself before God. And it's interesting that he lived a humble life before God and God blessed him. Satan's goal was to cause Job to become arrogant. To turn against God because of his, his immense and undeserved suffering. He even got Job's wife to say, just curse God and die. That was the whole goal. For many of us, it only, it only takes one bad day for us to, <laughs> to, to turn against God. But anyway, Job suffers in the visible realm and has no idea that God and Satan are at war in the invisible realm. Part of Satan's trap for Job and for us involves a demon spirit named Leviathan who seeks to tempt our pride so that we lash out at God and blame Him for the suffering caused by the demonic realm. God speaks of this being called Leviathan five times in Scripture. Here's what Isaiah says of him. In Isaiah 27 verse 1 it says, In that day the Lord with His hard and great sword, or strong sword, will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisted serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. Leviathan is a spirit that the people of ancient times said that it was represented by the crocodile or a large sea serpent. And Job, in chapter 41, you can go read that, it gives a description of, of Leviathan. And in verse 34, it gives us his job description. Here's his job description. He sees everything that is high. He is king over all the sons of pride. Everything that God is, Satan has his counterfeit. Pride is Satan's counterfeit to God's humility. There is no one more humble than God. 
God is a God of humility. And Satan is a devil of pride. So let's be imitators of God. Amen? So the question is, how do we escape the devil's trap? How do we, how do we escape? What's the way out of Le- Leviathan's grip to resist his temptation to be proud To resist this temptation, instead of being proud, we need to instead choose humility to humble ourselves before God. See, this all builds on one another. The only way that you can humble yourself before God is God has to be your God. You have to flee idolatry. God has to become number one in your life. God has to become number one in your life And when God becomes number one in your life, you humble yourself before your God. Do you understand that? And when we choose to humble ourselves before God, God gives more grace to those who seek humility. Which means that when you battle pride with humility, God will help you win your war. If in humility you will... Submit yourself to God. You can by God's power and not your own resist the devil. And the Bible says that when you resist the devil, he will flee from you. One of the, one of the weapons that we have against the devil is patience. Patience is the attribute of God. Satan has no patience. He does not have that attribute. You have a Holy Spirit-empowered ability to be patient. And when you're patiently resisting the devil, he will flee from you. Again, this comes to renewing your mind. See, when that pressure comes on you to act contrary to who you're created to be, that's that's the kingdom of darkness pressuring you, feeling like, I can't hold on. I'm being forced to, to do this thing. Let the Holy Spirit remind you that as a son and a daughter of God that you have patience within you and you can outlast that devil. You can outlast that devil. Satan in his counterfeit kingdom has made sure that, sure that marketing efforts in this world um, spend un. Countless amounts of money to package pride to us. We call it self-esteem, self-love, self-actualization. And you can call it whatever you want, but it's pride, plain and simple. The counterfeit trinity of Satan's kingdom is me, myself, and I. It disregards God and or others apart from how they will affect me. Think about that. Is God in your life? Are the people in your life only there because of how they affect you? And if you don't like how they're affecting you, or what you can get out of them, you disregard them. The spirit of pride is pregnant with all other sins. In pride, Satan rebelled against God because he desired to be God. In pride, Adam and Eve 
ate of the forbidden fruit because they wanted to be like God. In pride, we reject God's wisdom, His will, His design, His word, because we think that we make a better God. There are those that call themselves Christians all the world that don't attend church. And the reason they don't attend church is because of their pride. They're filled with pride. There's no church good enough for them. They get offended. Why? Because they're prideful. Do you know that the only way that you can be offended is because you're filled with pride? Whenever you're offended, you can say, well, that's my pride. You can't be offended if, you don't, if you're humble. You can't be offended if you're not filled with pride. A humble person says, I don't care what anybody says about me. This is what God says about me. So they don't, you don't affect me. Only by being prideful can you be offended. And there's people that don't attend church. They don't, they, they, they don't fellowship with other believers. They, 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 they don't serve in a community. Why? Because they're filled with pride. Let me tell you the truth. If you can't find any church that's good enough for you, it's you. It's you. All sin is birthed out of pride. And all virtue, all holiness, and all glory to God is birthed out of humility. Satan brought pride to earth. Jesus came to bring us humility. Think about this. Jesus, the Son of God, was born into poverty rather than wealth. He was born to simple parents rather than royalty. He was born in a small town, not a big city. And he was placed in a feeding trough rather than a golden crib. He came in humility. And God has highly exalted him. He was unlike Satan. Jesus was unlike Satan. He was unlike Adam and Eve. And he's unlike us. Look at the humility of our God. Look at this. Philippians chapter 2, verse, verse 6. It says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. And he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's our God. There is no God like our God. Therefore, God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
Jesus chose humility, and God the Father glorifies him as a result. Likewise, if we choose to repent of our pride, what's repentance? To turn around and pursue, you have to pursue humility. By the power of Holy Spirit, we also one day will be glorified in Him. We battle pride not by focusing on our humility. Get that? We battle pride not by focusing on our humility. If we're constantly focusing on our humility, look at how much I gave up. Look at how much I served. Look at <laughs> It's just another form of pride. We battle pride not by focusing on our humility, but rather focusing on the humility of Jesus. That's where our strength comes from. Our strength comes from Jesus to be humble. We look unto Jesus who is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So often, the biggest obstacles in your life that you think that you can never conquer is because you're looking at yourself rather than Jesus. On the subject of pride, there's many of you that think that how am I going, how can I act in you can't but you can through Jesus looking unto Jesus imitating Jesus seeing how walking with Jesus right abiding in Jesus humility is not thinking less of yourself it's not you get that humility is not thinking less of yourself it's just thinking of yourself less a lot of people think that putting themselves down, saying that they're no good, I'm just no sinner, all, all these, I'm, God can't use me, I'm no good, that that's humility. No, that's just putting yourself down. And that's ignorance because you're not speaking your true identity in Christ Jesus. It's actually being prideful to say something against yourself that, that God says you are. It's just thinking of yourself less. How is this going to affect me? They need help, but I don't feel like it. My wife has said over and over again, she needs this from me, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's all pride. See, Jesus came down in humility. And likewise, Holy Spirit came down to empower people, proud people, to be humble. Holy Spirit is here to empower you to walk in humility. To, to, to become increasingly humble, followers of our humble Savior. So you, we, if, we, if we just flee from idolatry and pursue humility, it's the way from death to life. Today, if, some, if this spoke to you at all, which 
It should have spoke to us all. And you want to look at men in Scripture and read their lives and, and go through it with Holy Spirit and see the things that happened in their life and, and how they reacted to it in, in God and the relationship with God. I, I would recommend that you go and read the book or read, read about Joseph and what his family done to him and his reactions to his family. Read about Daniel. Daniel is such a great... <laughs> most people read, read Daniel for the simple fact of end-time theology and all of those things. But understand that Daniel represents us all. There's a choice to make. This Babylonian system of King Nebuchadnezzar, live like me, be the God of your own making, or be like Daniel who humbled himself before God Almighty. Read about Barnabas. You read about Barnabas in, in, in the book of Acts. If it wasn't for Barnabas, there would have been no Paul. He mentored. He came alongside Paul. He, he put his approval about Paul being equipped as an apostle. If there was no Barnabas, there would be no Gentiles in the kingdom of God because he was one of the first ones to say that the Gentiles are heirs to the promise just as the Jews are. And throughout Scripture, you read, it says Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul. And then all of a sudden, Paul starts to increase and then it switches. And it starts saying Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas. And Barnabas had no problem with Paul exceeding him. Taking that leadership role he had no problem with. Barnabas stood up for people. Even when Paul, there was, there was this book, uh, John Mark. Barnabas says, I'm going to go with him. Why? Because he's an encourager. He was humble. He's seen the best in people. He's seen what, what he could do for them rather than what they could do for him. Great examples in Scripture for us. Some of you think that life has given you a raw deal. Not like these men. Not like these men. And they were still able to live humbly before their God and change the course of history. So one of the keys to maintaining humility is understanding your spiritual identity. And that's where we're going to be going next week as we continue to walk from death to life and all that's killing us in this life. And we're going to walk into the life to freedom and the joy of Jesus' eternal life that He has given us in the kingdom of God. But don't take these messages lightly. These are the things that's trying to kill you. It's trying to rob, it's trying to kill, it's trying to destroy you. Idolatry 
we flee from. Anything that lifts its head above God, we we must flee from. And then pride. Right from the pit of hell itself. It's completely contrary to the nature of God. Which means it's completely contrary to how He created you to be. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You that You have delivered us from the kingdom of darkness. You have translated us to the kingdom of Your dear Son. We thank You that our minds are being renewed to the devices of the evil one, that, you are, you have, that we are seeing that we have been set free from the bondage of him. Father, we just ask that Holy Spirit would lead us in the path of humility. That in that path of humility, we would trust God to be our God. That he would exalt us in due season. That He would give us more grace to live as we trust Him and live according to humility and not against Him in the way of pride. Heavenly Father, may we be representatives of Jesus Christ in a greater way. May it start in our homes, in our businesses, in our workplaces, in our classrooms, in our schools, in our, in our relationships, in our churches, in our government. May the way of the kingdom be contagious. And may Jesus be glorified in all we do. Father, we love you. We thank you for delivering us. We thank you for your word, the word that reveals to us of the things that are killing us. And we thank you for the life that is found in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.